0: This is the all-sports podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy,
1: a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day.
2: Our weekly show is proudly hosted... Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way.
1: Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy
2: Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode.
0: Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined by David Moore, who has his headset on. Hello, David. Hello, Kevin. How are you today? I'm doing great here with my headset on. And then there's also Evan Grant. Oh, wait. Evan doesn't have a headset on because... Because I'm not a
0: moron! (laughs) I've got a mic here. I bought a fancy mic, okay? so I'm I'm sitting right here with the microphone in front of my face. You want the wind guard up? There's the wind guard in case it blows in here. The problem is is that anyone with a headset
2: is a moron. I think we need to go down this yeah Road that's right. Road. yeah yeah. the problem is
1: you won't you won't stay with your head in front of the microphone that's the problem
0: because somebody has to look up the facts for this show <laughs>
1: yeah. right that's somebody it has
0: to fact you fact check you two guys
1: yeah okay all right Well, I'm out here on the porch today, uh, and I'm I'm boasting. the plane!
2: I was going to say.
1: I was just going to say, boasting my new, you know, air, uh, you know, Apple uh, Airport boosters. I've got all over the place now. And then, you know, and so now, of course, a plane flies over. I think I think it was crop dusting my backyard. I'm not sure, but anyway. uh, All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump right into this thing here with the Cowboys uh that was a another frustrating game for the Cowboys and and then David what I want to kind of get to to about this team that it seems to me uh is that so first of all before the season started you would have counted the Rams and the Seahawks two of their toughest games right
2: yeah certainly early in the year uh, especially being on the road although I will say the uh, the road is not. I, I don't know that we should call these road games per se anymore when there are no fans there. I think a big, a big edge these teams have. I, I think they're. Uh, I think that reduces the edge of playing them on the road. But yeah, yeah. That, no, no question about that.
1: Uh, but if they are the tougher teams. This was probably a, a maybe at least I did. It probably. I, I don't know if everybody else did, but I assumed a little too much about what got done in a training camp uh, with, the, with the new coaching uh, staff and, uh, and, and new philosophies, especially on defense and the defensive line. We've heard all about that from Everson Griffin and Demarcus Lawrence about having to be in a two-point stance, meaning that they're simply standing up and a three-point stance with one hand in the dirt so uh we perhaps uh, i i assume too much that this that that they would be ready to go uh, uh without any kind of training and without any preseason games and this is what we end up with um how much of the cowboys problems do you feel like are they just really are still working a lot of kinks out and how much of it is this is just what the cowboys do
2: well, I think, you know, that there's a reason the NFL gives franchises additional time in the offseason when they have a new coaching staff, because they do acknowledge that those teams are going to be behind everyone else. Uh, continuity is, is such a big issue in the NFL, you see from one season to the next, that for uh, the, the teams with new coaching staffs to get additional time in the offseason to implement uh, their system and get the on-field work to go through it is is a meaningful acknowledgement by the NFL that it exists. I mean, this is a league that that you know tries to keep everyone on the same competitive playing field, and even they acknowledge, well, look, you you need additional time. So that that's a very real thing. Uh, and you know, I don't care how good the visual. And virtual sessions were, and how much information you absorb, going out and then doing it physically in real time, when the person across from you is maybe not reacting or responding in the way you anticipated, and then you have to alter it. Um, you know that that's where uh, that's where the crispness of execution comes in, and so they they were behind on that. Uh, you know, I, I think that. Uh, McCarthy has been cognizant of that. I think it's been – he doesn't want to throw too much at this team too early. Uh, I I think it will be – you you will see more of what this team will be in the future in the second half of the season than what you've seen right now from an offensive and defensive standpoint. So I I think the the coaching staff is is, uh, uh, judiciously going about that. I don't think they're throwing too much at them. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing here early is I looked at this, and to me, that this stat is is staggering. The the Cowboys are 180 minutes into this season. How how often have they played with a lead in those 180 minutes, Kevin?
1: David, I think that's Kevin. Microphone messed up there. Um,
2: David, I would say three. <laughs> a little more than that, but it's not much. It's uh, 13 minutes and 27 seconds out of 180 minutes is when the Cowboys have played with a lead. And just to show you where this is, uh, uh, you know, the Cowboys actually took a lead in that Seattle game. They, on their, on their first possession, uh, drove down, got a, a 43-yard field goal from Greg Zernline. Two significant things here. One, that 3 nothing lead that Dallas had was the largest lead the Cowboys have had all season. Uh, their only other leads have been by one point. Uh, they had a three-point lead. Two, it lasted for all of one minute and 31 seconds. Uh, and, and Seattle came right back and took it away. And that's, that's what this season has been. Even when Dallas gets a one- or three-point lead, uh, within a minute or two, it's gone. Uh, You know, let's fast forward to the end of the game. Uh, They actually went up 31-30. They were only able to hold that lead for two minutes and 12 seconds. Uh, So even when the few times they've gotten a lead, the defense has given it back up immediately. So when you're playing from behind that much, uh, it impacts your play calling. It impacts your level of anxiety Uh, It impacts how you approach the game. And and they just need to get out and actually play with the lead for a while uh, rather than play from behind the whole time. And and I think that's how they're going to find out who they are. Um, But, of course, if this continues, you'll say a team they are is they're a team that uh, can't get out to an early lead and then are forced to react the entire game rather than actually uh, do their game plan as, as they have it.
1: Yeah, to the point of the uh, of the kind of teams they've played, I thought it was interesting yesterday. I was looking at you know Pro Football Focus ranks players at every position, and uh, uh, and I think it's interesting that you can do that or that they they attempt to do that. Um, it's easier to do it some than at others, but two of the top three quarterbacks, uh, or at least two of th- two of the three top three quarterback play uh, so far. Uh, or Russell Wilson and Jared Goff, uh, which of course the Cowboys have played. Now,
2: how much it was the Cowboys contributing to the fact that their <laughs> yeah. that their play has—they helped so their good. rankings this year. But yeah, yeah Russell, Will, Russell Wilson was just as good against New England too, up in uh, Seattle the week before.
1: Yes, two two weeks in a row, of five touchdown passes. I believe that was an NFL record. Um, yes. So uh, yeah, I, I, you know, uh, and and, and the, the amazing thing was in that game, I thought that they they. You know clearly that was their best pass rush, and and I thought it affected Russell Wilson. I thought there were plenty of times in that game where he was a little rattled uh, and 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 struggled uh, to get things done. You know, the interesting thing about the defense in that game was that there were, there were times when it just looked awful, where the secondary looked completely lost, and then there were times when it played pretty well, and 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 that's the the thing that's that's kind of interesting to me about this team. It's it's easy to write off uh because of the fact that it's one and two uh and and ye- and because of the silly mistakes and the things that have cost them uh the games and and and, and as on one of the touchdown drives by by seattle that game was remarkable in the fact that a they got a sack on a third down that should have ended the drive and there was a penalty that negated the sack they got an interception That would have been the drive and a penalty negated the interception. You know, and then they made another uh, uh, penalty on on a ball in the end zone, uh, which gave them a first down at the one. So it was it was as almost as if the Cowboys were insisting that the Seahawks take this touchdown, you know. Uh, So that kind of stuff is very frustrating to watch happen and those kind of mistakes. But in my mind, it's a different thing from seeing a team that's just overmatched, uh, a team that, that clearly has no shot at beating the Seahawks on the road or beating the Rams on the road. Uh, I, I do believe these are mistakes that can be fixed uh, over time. Now, now maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's assuming too much. But it does seem to me that this is a team that uh, over time, and especially in a division as weak as the NFC East, that they can they can
2: still uh, uh, salvage this season we fix it by being more efficient offensively you know I, I, I'm not sure that Seattle's defense is any better than Dallas's defense in fact uh, you may argue now I think Jamal Adams had a, a you know came out of that game with a, a groin injury they may actually be worse now than, than Dallas's defense but they're certainly comparable I mean it's at the, the same level of defense and Seattle's off to a 3 and0 start. Now, what's the difference? The difference is they're not turning the ball over offensively. Um, you know, Dallas, Dallas right now going into week four is a minus four in turnover ratio. They've turned the ball over six times and have only forced two turnovers. There are only two teams in the league with the worst turnover ratio. That's Minnesota and uh, uh, Philadelphia, I believe. And uh, neither one That's of those right. teams have won a game between them combined. So only two teams are worse in turnover ratio right now in Dallas. And to me, it goes beyond that. It's not just the turnovers. You look at the points scored off of those turnovers. Dou- opponents have outscored Dallas 31-3 to 3 off these turnovers. So when they're getting turnovers, they're getting touchdowns out of them. Um, and it's just, you know, Dallas has been in all three of their games have been close, and when you're losing – Uh, 31 to three with the turnover margin, you're not going to win those games. It's just too much to overcome. And Dallas has been put in those desperate situations and it by and large responded, but haven't responded in in the final moment with the key play when they needed it against the the Rams and, and also against Seattle. So if they're going to continue to play close games and history suggests they will, They have to be more efficient offensively. And you still go back is, how is this team constructed? If it's going to be successful, it's going to be their offense that wins games for them. No one went into this season saying, oh, this defense is going to win games for the Cowboys. Uh, This special teams unit is going to win a game or two for the Cowboys. Although you could argue the special teams unit did win the Atlanta game for them. Uh, but certainly didn't help them with the two missed extra points and then fumbling the ball inside the one-yard line on a kickoff return in in the Seattle game. So they've been very erratic as well. But the the offense has to be more efficient. It's explosive, uh, yet it's too careless with the ball early in the season. Yeah, the thing
1: that also strikes me about the Cowboys so far this season is just – Uh, the decisions that are being made during the game. And and I guess in a way you you appreciate these things. One of the things we always criticized Jason Garrett about was how stubborn he would be, how he would stick with something, no matter, you know, what was happening in a game, he was not going to change. This is what they had planned all week. And this is what they're going to do. Um, But we have seen a lot of change in the games uh, in the return game. Uh, uh, You know, so far this season, Tony Pollard has hurt more than he's helped. Um, and, and, and for me, the, the risk reward of kicks and punts these days, it's just not worth it. I'd almost just rather not have anybody back there that just take, just take the kickoff and let's move on because the Cowboys are struggling so much in that area. And, and, and what have they gained out of it? Little to nothing. Uh, and so now we, we, we've seen guys, we've seen several people, Put back there we saw Cedric Wilson after he scored uh, two touchdowns in a game and a, and a breakout game for him uh, a really remarkable performance uh and and he, and he he was used back there we we we've seen uh, uh C. D. Lamb and and the, the punt returns and of course that's that's been he's been the primary punt returner but he was also removed and I think at one point I think Cedric Wilson was even used there uh so what What would you expect going forward with that? And also with the changes made in the offensive line, you know, Stephen Jones indicated on his radio show that no, we're not making any major changes here. Zach Martin is still going to be the right guard, not the right tackle, even though that's what they did in that game. Primarily, I guess, because of injuries.
2: Yeah. um, First with the special teams, uh, spoke with John Fossil, the special teams coach yesterday. And uh, he was adamant that, uh there will be no changes in the return game uh tony pollard will continue to be uh the kickoff return guy he has complete and utter faith in him and he will uh he will stay back there and he's convinced he will break one he said he said in that one he just took his eyes off of it uh that there was actually room there to run he started too quickly uh, which is why he fumbled it. And then he knew he was kind of caught. He, was, he couldn't bring the ball back into the end zone because at that point it would have been a live ball and a, and a safety if he was would have been tackled. And he didn't really want to fall on it at the one, but he knew it was a live ball, so he had to. So, um, he again, he was adamant saying, I'm going to give him more opportunities. Uh, he is the punt returner. He I mean, he'll be the kickoff returner again this week. To me lamb's a little more interesting because he took a really hard hit to the side of the knee on one of those returns uh, late in the game, and he's become such a valuable part of the offense um, or you know will the cowboys say well let's just go with with Cedric a little bit more back here and, and not put uh, Lamb at risk like that because um, You see him getting more and more involved with the offense uh, every week, with the jet sweeps, uh, with other things they do. Uh, As far as the offensive line, um, you know, I I looked up there in in the third quarter of that game, and Dallas had the only projected starter from the start of the season that was still in his spot in the line was Connor Williams. All the the four other spots had changed (laughs) from what you envision the offensive line to be going into this year. And like you said, Zach Martin was swung out to right tackle, by and large because uh, Terrence Steele, uh, who was filling in at right tackle for Lyle Collins, uh, woke up with food poisoning, had three IVs before the game, had to leave at the end of the first half to get another IV, uh, and then just wasn't able to go. So that's why they made that move. But, yeah, this, this line is, is going to be interesting how it looks this week. Uh, Lyle Collins isn't close to returning, is my understanding. In fact, uh, potential hip surgery is still, you know, a possibility for him, which could wipe him out for much of this season. Uh, they just don't have a good handle right now on when or if Lyle Collins will be back. So you're looking at, at Steele or Brandon Knight once Tyron Smith comes back, moving over and playing right tackle both who were undrafted rookies uh, came in this league as undrafted rookies. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting now. I think, I think they liked what Biotic, uh, Tyler Biotic, their fourth round pick did when he, Watch when he was, yeah, thank you. Uh, when he was forced into that game uh, and you know, Looney came back in and actually played guard uh, the rest of the way when, when the line got beat up a little bit more and Zach Martin had to move out to tackle. But um, you know, they've just got to look and see who are our best five guys right now and let's get them in these spots and try to keep them there. They don't want to keep shuffling and having guys going from guard or center or, or you know in center to guard and guard out to tackle. Uh, they want to get this uh, as much continuity as they can get. Uh, you know I will say I thought for all the shuffling the line did it, it was they did a they did an outstanding job and And you look up at it um, with that construct, like I said, with that line with only Connor Williams was the only player who was in his spot, who you projected three weeks ago would be there. Um, They responded on their first two drives with that reconfigured line with Zach Martin out at right tackle. Um, They went on touchdown drives of 89 and 94 yards on their next two drives. So that group, I thought, responded and, and held in there pretty well. But you don't want that – you don't want that state of flux going forward. You want to settle it a little bit more.
1: You do, uh, and I know that, that, you know, Biotic is a guy that they like, and this is a, this is a guy with, with some future at the position. There was some, you know, thought that maybe he might make a run at the starting job this year, although they went with,
2: with Looney. Yeah, but when now, you have now, no preseason, I mean, that made it tough, you know. And And I think you may start to see some of these position battles that you didn't see in training camp because you had no preseason games may unfolding right in front of our eyes here due to injuries and, and other factors here early in the season. And, and Biotic is one of those guys. I now this week they're discussing, okay, does it make more sense? Did he play well enough that we go ahead and get him in there and start him and Looney's our primary guard backup now, or how do we want to go about this?
1: Yeah, that's, that's the question for me. I would have to assume that uh, he, he seemed to do a fine, Biotic seemed to do a fine job uh, at center when he came in. Uh, but the thing is, is in it, 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 as you said a while ago the idea would be to get your five best offensive linemen out there i would assume that looney is one of those five guys at this point and but he's not going to play tackle you know yeah. or he's either going to play center or guard so he's not really it's not really helping you that much to, to replace him at center with biadich unless biadich is just better than he is because uh, the only other guard that can person that's going to play tackle would be martin because he did play tackle at notre dame so you know you know even though it's been a while but do you really want to remove the best guard in the game and move him over to tackle although i will say the cowboys sure did that with larry allen all the time they were constantly moving him from from guard to tackle and back so uh i would not you know if if, if i were the cowboys and i determined that as you said that the five best includes looney and Biotic, well, if that means that you're moving Zach Martin to tackle, then that's what you do, uh, sure. at, at, at least for in the short term and for this season. That, that that That's something they should strongly consider.
2: Yeah, and I don't think they're at that point yet. But if they look up two, three weeks from here, and they still have no idea when or if Lyle Collins is going to be back, um, I, I think at that point they may say – you know what, let's go ahead and put Zach Martin out there. Now, again, it's going to depend on Tyron Smith's health at, at left tackle. And I, I think there's a good chance he returns this week, and that would that would certainly help settle that line down a little bit. And then, then you would have a rotation of, of Steele and Brandon Knight over at right tackle. And um, I, I think that that's probably the way they would prefer to go, but um, we'll, we'll see here. I mean, if you're not going to have uh, – certainly – Zach Martin is your best off option at right tackle on the team, no question. But you're, you're like you say, you're taking away a dominant right guard, and there's a big drop on Looney at right guard versus Zach Martin. And and you know, so that's what you have to weigh is there's big, big of a a differential between Biotic and Looney, but you know there there is this differential between Martin and Looney. And but then what what's the differential between uh, Zach Martin and and Terrence Steele out at right tackle. That's pretty significant as well. So yeah,
1: I, I would say that was a little more so, especially considering the the number of uh, penalties that Steele is taking at right tackle is just phenomenal. Uh, that rate is is uh, that's something that they can't uh, they can't keep up. Speaking of uh, differences in uh, um, talent levels and, and what it means, we, we, and I did mention that, that Cedric Wilson came in, had caught two touchdown passes. Uh, we have seen from uh, Dak Prescott since the day he became the starting quarterback that he plays no favorites uh, with his wide receivers. If you're open, I'm throwing you the ball. Uh, he's done that with Dalton Schultz, who has re- – Kind of been a little uneven for the most part, but I, who I thought against Seattle reverted back to what he was against the Rams, a little bit of a liability uh, he He enabled uh, a couple of, of situations where he should have caught balls against the the seahawks he He almost seems to me a disinterested receiver you know he's just he' he's not aggressive at trying to catch the ball he doesn't go to the ball he he wants the ball just to come to him. And and uh, and meanwhile, defensive backs are coming up and making plays on the ball because he is so passive as a receiver at tight end. It's just frustrating to watch. Uh, but it, at at wide receiver, uh, we we saw him go with Cedric Wilson, and once again, uh, we see to me the drift uh, of Amari Cooper. Uh, and he made a spectacular catch, a diving catch, which knocked the wind out of him in the, early in that game. And and I and you know at that point at least I wasn't sure what had happened to him. I didn't know that he'd knocked the wind on him. I didn't know if he'd ha- suffered a head injury. Uh, it, it almost looked to me like maybe he had um, maybe suffered a concussion at some point. And of course he went back in the game. He can't go back into the game if he's had a concussion. So I assume that was not the case.
2: Um, so this is how he landed on the ball. Yeah. he yeah. just knocked the wind out of him.
1: But, it, but it, I guess what I'm saying is the good thing is that the Cowboys have a lot of receivers because Amari still as uh, a, is as beautiful as his routes are, and is and uh, and he's more reliable as a receiver than we were led to believe with his hands and what he was able to catch and not when he was playing with the Raiders. Uh, but still, not a not the alpha dominant receiver. I guess this is just who he's going to be, right?
2: Yeah, uh, I think we've seen enough of of his career in in Oakland, which is now in Las Vegas and here that uh, uh, temperamentally uh he he's not an alpha dog and and he is he is content to be the decoy for stretches of games once he's been established or if the defense is shading over that way uh as long as other receivers are making plays that really doesn't seem to bother him so uh when you accept that role it, that's a good teammate you want him to do that but you wonder if he he if you become too passive in that you know if you accept that role too easily and don't say hey what about me here? Come back here. Um, So, you know, that's the other thing. I mean, he had a very good first half and you didn't see much out of him in the second half. Uh, Not many targets either. That doesn't bother me because Gallup and Lamb, and as you saw, Cedric Wilson are such good options. And, you know, we haven't even talked about Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, to me, Dallas has so many offensive options. Uh, once you establish a guy and you want to swing back the other way, if that guy doesn't do much the rest of the game, uh, as long as the offense is working, I think that's fine. And uh, certainly the offense was working in the second half when when Cooper wasn't as big of a part of it. And uh, I, I think it gets back to you go where – what the defense is giving you. And, um, you know, I, I think Cooper demanded some – you're bracketing and some double coverage early and once and Seattle responded. And then, so then it's like, okay, now let's get the ball to Gallup. I mean, how you've already seen kind of the patterns emerge this year. I mean, Gallup doesn't do much early in games and comes up huge late. Uh, Why is that? It's usually because Lamb and Cooper have been so good through the first three quarters, you know? So I think, I think they're all playing off each other in a complementary fashion right now. And the, that, that part of the offense is working. I would not, th- this team has so many weapons. I would anticipate there would be extended stretches in games and potentially over two to three weeks where a player is not used as much as you would think he should be. And then uh, you look up that next week and he's going to be the, the primary focus of the offense. So I, I just think they have that many weapons and they're that good and they're that explosive that it's going to be a, a bit of a moving target. I, I
1: just, yeah, and I agree with all of that. I, I just wonder, though, if uh, if the Cowboys had known that they, A, we're going to get C.D. Lamb in the draft, and, and B, that Cedric Wilson could turn up. Of course, it's just one game. I don't want to overreact to that, but he certainly looked very good in that in that game. Uh, would we have given Amari uh, Cooper this contract?
2: I, I think so, because they gave up a first-round pick to get him, and then to turn around and lose him like two years later, Uh, Would not have been a good use of their resources. And the other thing on Cedric Wilson, I would say is, I think a large part of why Cedric Wilson was open was because you have Lamb, Cooper, and Gallup all out there on the field together. Uh, You put those four wides out there. uh, Who's the guy, even if he scores, who is not going to get the attention and coverage is going to be Cedric Wilson every time. Yeah. Yeah. Good points.
1: Good points. All right. So if uh, um, so now we we look at uh, Cleveland coming up this week. Um, and uh, so the, the Browns have been all over the map uh, and ha- have, have been good times not. and not. Uh, and our old uh, pal Baker Mayfield has uh, performed better this year than he did last year. A very disappointing season for him uh, and a really kind of a, almost a make or break season this year for him, c- considering that uh step back that he took uh what should we expect to see from the Cowboys this week do you do you expect to see a bounce back from them and maybe and and as you talked about the fact that they have led so little at times would you expect to see the um, something different against the Browns
2: you know I don't know it's gonna be interesting because the Browns are going to attack them this this game will be much more like the Rams game the Rams came out and, and ran the ball on Dallas uh Atlanta and Seattle really did not um I, you know, I think Cleveland is at their best. They have two backs who can rush for over 100 yards, uh, you know, in Chubb and and, and Hunt. Um, I, I would I would anticipate that Cleveland's going to come in here into AT&T Stadium on Sunday and just ground and pound. I think they're going to say this is an explosive Dallas offense, uh, but if you can force them to play from behind, you see they make mistakes. Uh, you know, the other thing we haven't talked about, Dallas has played behind these games. That also factors in on the time of possession. Um, the three teams, Dallas has lost the time of possession in every game they played. And teams have held the ball for 24 more minutes so far this season than Dallas has. So I think Cleveland's going to say, you know, let's let's take that Rams game plan and just ramp it up. You know, th- this secondary is susceptible. Um, the pass rush should be the best part of their defense. Well, if we run at them, they can't use their pass rush and then we can pick at their secondary whenever we want. And they're not going to be able to unload on us if we don't, you know, fall behind. So I think Cleveland is going to have a very conservative game plan and Dallas is going to have to stop the run game. And I don't know, Dallas had big trouble against the run game in, uh against the Rams. And I think Cleveland's a much better uh, running team than, than the Rams are. So yeah, I, I don't think this is going to, I'd be surprised if this is the 38-31 game and and the 40-39 game that we just saw. To me, this is a game that I think Cleveland is purposely going to alter the tempo and uh, much more of a shot to be in in the low 20s. You know, the, the time of possession game is
1: uh, very interesting. You know, uh, we know that Rod Marinelli believed in it because uh, – and, and the Cowboys believed in it when Rod Marinelli was their defensive coordinator because it keeps your defense fresh. Uh, he likes to rotate the guys in and out a lot. Uh, he, he he always believed that a, a backup who was fresh was better than a starter who wasn't. Um, and, uh, and, and the only way you could maintain those high-energy, high-motor guys was uh, – through the fact that you're going to run the ball and, and take up time of possession, our old pal Babel Offenberg said it's the most overrated stat in football. Uh, he, he believes that if you score, you score. You know, uh, touchdowns a touchdown, points are on the board. That's that that's that's all you need, right? Uh, and and certainly the Cowboys have, have proven their quick strike uh, quick strike abilities this year. I think that's kind of what's gone a little bit uh, un, unnoticed, back because of all the problems they've had and the, and the fact that they have to come back, is that they are very capable of that. Uh, they've had several of those plays. You know, for all the people who have criticized Dak uh, last year, he showed how much better he was at throwing the ball downfield, how much more accurate he was, and and their ability and ability to do that. That was the frustrating thing about the Rams game was the fact that they did not challenge the you know the Rams secondary downfield in that game, but they have in the last two, and they have shown that when they do, as as, as you mentioned, Michael Gallup in particular. Uh, a real threat going downfield there are a lot of teams that uh, you know uh, their secondary simply can't keep keep up with him and, and maybe not cedric wilson either i believe that, that cedric might be faster than uh, than Gallup, so uh that presents real issues for teams going forward um so that, that's an interesting uh, interesting thought you know something i hadn't thought about until just now and you reminded me of this so we had a we had a uh and thinking about Rob Marinelli in particular made me think about Tristan Hill. Uh, uh, we, we did have Pete Carroll and several of the, of the Seahawks uh, complaining about Tristan Hill's gator roll tackle of uh, Seattle running back that took him out of the game and, and injured him in that game. Uh, and also of course, Tristan was involved in the helmet to helmet play on uh, Russell Wilson that enabled speaking of second chances uh the the Seahawks to go for two twice uh and and, and, they, and successfully so the second time because of the helmet helmet tackle uh what has been the response there in the count uh, with the Cowboys I know that they were off yesterday and they were unavailable but but Monday uh what was their response to the charges about Tristan Hill
2: Well, and certainly I I would be very surprised if Tristan Hill isn't at least fined heavily this week. I think you're going to see that at the end of the week. Those usually happen on Friday afternoon. Um, Two, um, yeah, and Pete Carroll went on radio in Seattle again yesterday and and spoke about how upset he was about that play and how it wasn't right. Um, Mike McCarthy and Mike Nolan, the defensive coordinator, both yesterday said that um, there was no – evil intent on that play, uh, that, um, you know, that they, they defended Tristan Hill, they said there was no intent to hurt Carson there, Chris Carson there, that, uh, um, and, you know, that was it, they they defended their player, but they, they were pretty adamant about it, uh, both saying, look, trust me, I know he wasn't going out there to hurt the guy, but they didn't, they didn't address specifically that tackle now mike nolan said we don't teach people to tackle that way but i'm not sure he was i think he just got in the pile and it started rolling and he was still holding on so um th- they're saying they don't you know coach the gator roll tech- and again that's that's rolling up and you can hurt a player uh certainly that's not taught but it uh it, it was not the good op- the optics of it were not good as as uh, people like to say these days yeah especially on the replay. Evan, speaking you're, you're of optics. On, you're
1: you're on mute, Evan. You've muted yourself. Yes. <laughs> you, Evan, uh,
0: did can you just taste- Can I say something? I have to admit that um, the dog ate my homework. Um, I didn't because of the Ranger game on Sunday, uh, and it being the last game of the season, I did not watch the Cowboys. And then I came home and. Um, Stepson Nick was here, and so we watched the the Packers uh, game and uh, had dinner with Gina, and I never went back and watched the Cowboys game, and I feel very unprepared. I'm sorry.
1: I don't know why today would be any different from any other day, Then, if that was the case, Evan. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Evan, if uh, uh, if you're on board with the gator roll tackle technique.
0: Um, it's my preferred method.
2: <laughs> when you're you eating a gator a, roll or, or, or
1: <laughs> that's what you thought you're talking roll. about He thought you were talking about fried gator roll I, I,
0: I, yeah I, I i don't have a strong feeling here i i, I i'd hate to think that in the and, and again this this gets back to me being mr naive when it comes to professional sports but I just hate to think that in the moment that guys are actually trying to hurt other guys. Um, I think they they may get emotionally pent up or release some pent up emotions in the moment. But I I don't think anybody goes into a play saying, I'm going to hurt a guy here.
1: I, I think here's what I think. I don't think anybody is out there to hurt somebody significantly. I don't think that they're out there to think I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ruin this guy's career. I'm gonna do something, and he'll be out for the season. But I do think that they get out there thinking, I'm gonna take this guy out for the next several plays.
0: Yeah, yeah or the game. Yeah. I, I I know, I just it just doesn't compute with me. And I mean I, I guess it's because I've not been in the field of play nearly enough, but um, just doesn't really it doesn't really add up to me.
1: A lot of things happen in, the, in those piles down there. Let me tell you, uh, you have to you have to protect yourself down in those piles. Lots of stuff going on. Um, okay.
0: My mother would never let, me, never let me play the football.
1: Play the football? No, well, that's too bad. We, I guess the, uh, and, and there went the career of what would you have been, Evan, if you had played football? Do you think you would have been a nose guard?
0: Oh well, see, when I was young, I was a I was a skinny little fella. Were you really? Yeah, I was a, I, I was a wiry little, little guy.
2: When did that change?
0: Um, when I discovered, uh, <laughs> food <buffets. laughs> when I got out of college and my first job was in Shreveport and there was no place to eat except all these all you can eat buffets. Fried.
2: Oh yeah, all you eat fried, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that lends
1: to healthy eating habits. Okay. All right. So uh, we're going to move on from our Cowboys uh, discussion now, because the uh, the it seems like the uh, well, a couple of things. Let's let's do our our weekly shout out to the Stars. Uh, that was unfortunate last night. Uh, their season came to an end in Game Six of the uh, uh, Stanley Cup Final. Uh, it Was a lot of fun watching the Stars play in the playoffs, uh, and and to go that far, they did a terrific job. Uh, I, I thought clearly Tampa Bay a better team. a, a deeper team and the the struggles that the stars had because of injuries and their penalty kill uh, and then that's one of Tampa Bay's strengths in that game of course the the star just can't help themselves they constantly put themselves in jeopardy by taking so many penalties and uh, uh, and, and Tampa Bay was able to take advantage of that um, also uh, got some really good play out of, out of their goalie uh, last night so no shame in losing uh, to that. I don't. There wasn't anybody picking the stars to get that far. Uh, they constantly kind of outplayed uh, expectations uh, in the course of their Stanley Cup run. So, kudos to the to the stars uh, for for getting that far. We'll see uh, what they can do uh, going forward. Um, I would, you know, the the good thing about this kind of stuff to me is that, especially on a team that has so many younger players on it, is that. They have now been to a Stanley Cup final, uh, and they have uh, uh, gotten that experience. That will they will be better for it. Uh, they will understand what it takes to do that. Uh, so, uh, and I would expect that Rick Bonus will end up being the uh, uh, the full time head coach, not just the interim head coach of the Stars. That would be shocking. Jim Nell has hinted at the fact that he certainly earned the right to uh, to have that title. So we'll see what the stars do going forward. Uh, But right now that was a, that was a nice run. So here's to the stars. Here's applause for the stars. Um, So now uh, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, we have the, the Texas Rangers, uh, a a club that had an extremely disappointing season. I don't, we weren't expecting big things from the, from the Rangers, but we thought they might make a run at the, uh, at the playoffs since they were expanded. Evan, I hate to admit this. I picked 32 wins for the Rangers. What, did you? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, but I mean, I, I, again, it was just a crap shoot. You know, it was, it was based on the fact that I thought they'd get off to a decent start because the, the first half of the schedule was a little bit easier and that they'd be able to um, then keep that team together and, and kind of um, have a little bit of momentum. Um it just it, everything that could go wrong for the Rangers this year did go wrong in, in this season. Um, and, and it's just kind of underscores where this club is. It, it needs to be in full scale, uh, rebuild, uh, youth movement. Uh, and, uh, I, I think this, this season stripped bear any ideas that, Hey, this team is, is back on the road towards contention.
1: All right, Evan. We're gonna we're gonna go through this thing really uh, hard and fast here, uh, position by position. You know, and you just brought up the, the fact that uh, you know there needs to be a youth movement, and there's no question about that. It does. But I think that sometimes fans don't realize. You know, yes, you do want to go with your younger guys when you're not winning. That's the the whole point of it is to get experience for these people. But you don't want to damage them either. You know, there's such a thing as as guys not being ready for the big leagues. You don't want to to ruin their confidence. And certainly the Rangers have been accused in their history of doing such thing as that. Uh, So there are guys who might be ready to play in the big leagues next year. We saw this year. I I think uh, my prime candidate for a guy who probably is ready uh for 162 games uh is leoti taveras in center field uh i thought that of all the young guys and, and i'm not counting i'm not counting well i guess nick solak is a guy that we would we would count as a young guy because he's in the running for rookie of the year i just felt like it, that nick has had a lot of experience over the last two years uh whereas uh well i'm counting really young guys guys who just came up this year who were in A ball I, I felt like of those of the guys who could make a jump from that group that leodi is is probably the one that i would count on the most uh but there are a lot of other positions here where and then this is what i'm trying to get to
0: yeah any moment now that, that we're good let me know when we're going to hit it fast we're, and we're going to yeah
1: fast and furious is that we, the talk has been the entire season about Elvis and Ruggie. Are those guys going to be moved out of their positions or not? Here's what I'm saying. Not. I do I do not see the players ready to step in next year to take their places. I think there is too big a drop-off at second base with from Ruggie Odor to Nick Solak on defense, and I think certainly there's a, there's a big drop-off on the power potential. Uh, the, the one thing that Nick holds – over Ruggie is he's going to make a lot more contact. He's going to, uh, but his his power potential, his OPS, is is not good on a team that has such little power. The one guy who who tied for the team leading home runs, led the team in RBIs. Do you re- can you really afford to take that guy away?
0: Yeah, you can. Um, I, I I don't know that. I, I don't know that you will, but. Listen, if, if it's me, my, there's two there's two factors here in, in my approach. And one is, let's face facts. Rugnit and Elvis Andrus are signed through 2022. And that this team's not going to win in, before 2022. No. Uh, so I don't see them being part of the future here. Uh, and so in that regard... I feel like the bats given to them at second base and shortstop would probably be somewhat wasted. Uh, I would like to take a look at Solak at second base, all things considered. And I would like to prepare for the idea that Josh Young is going to end up playing third base and probably move Isaiah Kiner-Falefa at a shortstop now and see if he can be an everyday shortstop. On the other hand, I've got $28 million in sunk costs on these two guys. And maybe it behooves me to try and get a half season worth of production out of one or both of these two guys, save a little bit of money in a salary dump trade, even if I get nothing back in return, that I can then apply when after the 2021 season, maybe I'm going after one of these franchise level shortstops, like a Javier Baez or a uh, Francisco Lindor. Or a Carlos Correa. Um, Those are the two things that that I think the Rangers have to weigh here. I don't think you weigh any more that Odor and Andrus are potentially part of the future. It's what is the next step? Is the next step to simply turn it over to Solak and and Kainer-Falefa and see what they've got? Or is the next step to try and say, let's see if we can recoup some degree of money that we can then apply later on to something else?
1: Yeah, well, I, listen. I was not saying that, that the that Elvis and are the long term answers. I'm saying they're the answers next year, and and now whether that is full season or not, I don't know, because because here's the other thing about Isaiah Kind of as we've talked about before. I think he's his numbers play better at shortstop. He he doesn't have enough power, I I believe, to be a third baseman. He certainly plays the position very well. He's he was in the running for a Gold Glove. Um, uh, I, I, his numbers are not great for a shortstop for that matter. They're okay. They're, they're not, they're not much better than Elvis's numbers uh, as a shortstop. So I, I, I don't know how much of an upgrade you're getting there other than the fact it's just a younger guy. Uh, but Elvis is not an old shortstop either. I know we've talked about the fact that he's 31 years old. He's on the wrong side of, of the age. He's is one of the older shortstops in the game. I just don't know how much higher uh counter ceiling is. So, but, but for me I don't want to put Josh young over there at third base he hasn't even played yet you know in the big league he didn't even get the play this year
0: if we have a if we have a full season next year i would bet you Josh young will be in the big leagues by the second half of the season
1: oh i'd say I'd, yeah I'd say in the second half I, I believe he could be no question about that but going into the spring going going an opening day uh I, I believe that that your infield is going to be I, I believe that the, the starting it, you're going to have uh, Connor Falefa at third, Elvis is short, and, um, and Ruggie at second. Now, I, I certainly there's a possibility that Solak ends up being your starting second baseman uh, to start the season. But if that's the case, you can't have Ruggie Odor sitting on your bench. I, I, I just don't believe that either he or Elvis are suited for that kind of role. If they're not starting – and the only positions they've ever played in the big leagues are shortstop and second base. If they're not starting, then they simply can't be on your bench.
0: I, I, I completely agree with you. I don't. I know John John Daniels has mentioned the possibility of a door play playing some left field, but if you swap out Solak to second base and in into left field, you've just got you still got a bad fielding second baseman and a bad fielding left fielder in my mind. Um, as far as as far as guys on the bench. I don't see Ruggie O'Dore being a utility guy. He can't play a lick of shortstop. So um, there just isn't a fit there for me with him on the bench. I suppose because of Elvis's ability to play shortstop, you could potentially have him as a utility guy. I just don't see how that's going to be a productive situation.
1: No, I, as great a guy as Elvis is, he considers a, he's been a starting shortstop since he was a teenager, practically in the big leagues. Uh, he's he's played in World Series. He's he's not, and he's thirty one. He'll be thirty two. He's not going to see himself as as that player. Uh, uh, it's just not going to ha- happen. So, to me, this is this is an issue for me with, with the Rangers. I believe the mistake that they have made, besides the mistake in judging talent, is that they they want to try things uh and they may think that these are reasonable ass you know but i what i feel like is that they're not considering it from this person's perspective they're not thinking about how will this person take this you know uh w- you know simply from the fact, standpoint of talking about on offense w- we have seen that as well how many you know what in the number of meetings the length of the meetings Talking to these guys, you know, we, we talked about the, the impact that the pandemic would have on Elvis, right? And the fact that he can't celebrate, and he can't do all the things he likes to do. I, I believe that Elvis is a, is a player who thrives on fun, that, that the game is fun to him. He wants to have fun more than anything else, and it makes him a better player. When you're making him sit in meetings, when you're making him do all these things, it just drains all the fun out of him. And I think you, it, it, is, it has impacted his, his career. I'm not saying, you know, that that's all the Rangers' fault. You, these are things that you would hope a person would respond well to. Uh, but, in the, but in these guys' cases, I don't think they have. I think it's, the, the results are pretty clear that they have not responded well to it. And, and if, if you go into next season thinking that, well, Elvis, you know, either A, you're, you're taking it from the standpoint of you want him, to do this just because, you know, hey, either you do this or you're out, right, pal? Uh, or you do a thing and that, oh, no, I think that Elvis could do this and he'd be a nice, you know, uh, utility infielder. I think either one of those uh, ideas are silly.
0: Yeah, I just think you've got to start making determinations on whether or not you believe guys are championship players or not. And if they're not, then there just isn't – there There really isn't a place for him on this roster because this team is heading down a path in terms of – philosophy and direction. And if these guys aren't going to buy in, aren't capable of buying in, um, then either you've got to change path again and say, okay, well, this is, we'll just take what these guys can give us, or you've got to get guys that, that fit the philosophy. And it's the same thing that you, you run into in football. Do you match the scheme to the personnel? Do you match the personnel to the scheme? I think that the, the, the Listen, it's very, very clear that what the Rangers are paying for right now is poor drafting and poor development of players in a, over a long period of time, particularly the, the muff of the 2015 first round pick, okay? They are paying for that. Five years down the road, they don't have somebody to show from the first round in 2015. That guy should be establishing himself right now. But I also think... This team decided we're going to turn our philosophy. We're going to go from these raw, athletic, talented players to guys who can handle, digest analytics, who have been brought up around the analytic aspect, and who can apply that. And there's a gap there. You listen to Josh Young talk about uh, about hitting. You talk. You, t- you listen to Isaiah Kiner-Falefa talk about his position and how his approach to hitting is. And you talk. You 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 talk to even uh, Justin Foscue. And there is a big difference in the way they talk about their approach to hitting versus guys who have been here for a while. There is, there is a difference there. And so there's that lag, I think between where your philosophy is and how you're communicating that and where these other guys are. And I, I think that unless guys like Elvis and, and Ruge and, and to some extent, even, even Joey Gallo, um, unless these guys are willing to make some adjustments on their own, the game is going to quickly pass them by.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. And I think it is where they are. They're kind of caught between those two worlds. Uh, I, I just don't – I feel yeah,
0: like – I'll just give you the, the one example I will give you in terms of philosophy is and, – and, and Chris Woodward came out and said this in the last two weeks of the season. Look, guys are throwing us nothing but breaking balls the old the old adage of establish the fastball establish the fastball is gone you know if guys know you're susceptible to breaking balls they're going to start you off with breaking balls and the mm-hmm. rangers never were able to really make that adjustment now i went and i looked at sam huff over the last this guy was up 10 days the first 2 days he got nothing but breaking balls okay and he looked like he had no idea how to hit those pitches he looked behind on everything all of it, okay? In the last week, he got a lot more – break. he still got a lot of breaking balls, but he adjusted his swing. He adjusted his approach. He had a really good week. I mean, that's a quick adjustment. That's the kind of thing you have to do in the big leagues now.
1: So, in, in the brief amount of time we have left, let's go around position by position. You tell me who's at starting – on, start, on opening day, who's starting for the Rangers every position? Catcher.
0: Um, catcher Jose Trevino will be the starting catcher but I, I also be, feel like it'll be a split of time and I don't feel like Sam Huff is going to be the other guy I think it they'll, they'll bring a veteran in and Huff will start the year at double A which,
1: which as he should first base
0: um, I, I think that at first base or in left field the Rangers have to go out and get some kind of free agent that's got some degree of impact can impact the ball um, I think Ronald Guzman will get some degree of another chance, but I would bet you that they've got at least a right-handed option at first base.
1: Yeah. They, they need a, they need something better than Todd Frazier. Uh, they, they, they I believe they need to make a commitment to one big stick in the line. Not, not a, I'm not talking about a guy who is, uh, you know, uh, like last year, like a, when they are chasing down Rendon, I'm not talking about that kind of thing, but I do believe they need a guy with some pop, uh, to protect Joey Gallo a little bit. Second base.
0: Second base. um, I'm going to say that that Nick Solak will be at second base. I think you disagree with me, but for the sake of it, I, I just think the Rangers need to identify. He's not been great at second base. He's not been great in left field, and he wasn't good at all in center field. I think to maximize his offensive skills, Let's take a little bit off of his plate, ask him to play the position he probably fits at best, which is second base, and give him the opportunity there.
1: Okay. As I said, I disagree with you on that one, but I I can see them trying that. Shortstop, Elvis?
0: I think – shortstop, I think it's going to be Elvis because I just don't see them getting rid of both contracts. Um, I don't know that I can make a, a strong case right now for why Elvis should be the everyday shortstop. Um, but I just think that that's what it'll that's where they'll be.
1: I think the best case for it is that that Josh Young is not ready to play third base uh, every day. Uh, and of course, then if he's there, then Isaiah kind of for left will be at third base Correct. but how, how and so you believe that it would be uh, half a season before we would see young then yeah. at that point yeah yeah that's, that sounds right. Left field.
0: Again, I think there's some TBA there based on on what's available on the free agent market and, and what, what their ability to fill some holes are.
1: So Willie Calhoun is a DH?
0: That would be – th- I think Willie would be the primary DH, yes. Center field? Uh, I think that, that Leote Tavares will get every opportunity to win that job. I think that he's played really well while he's up here defensively. I think there's going to be some some continued struggles offensively, but I have been impressed by the fact that I've seen more power out of his bat than, than I thought I'd see. Yeah. Uh, but I think he'll get the opportunity to play center field every day.
1: Yeah, and, of course, Joey Gallo in right field. Will the Rangers make any effort or any attempt uh, to extend his contract over the winter?
0: I don't think so. I, I think the only way they would do it would be on something that – is extremely club friendly and it just doesn't make sense I think for either side right now to try and get something done Joey's Joey's got no leverage at this point um and the Rangers have no motivation to give him something really really long term
1: yeah kind of a shame all right then. Uh, that's 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 uh, been an hour here. Jose is ready to go. Uh, David already left. Uh, no, I just just kidding. David's still there. <laughs> He's waving. Look at him. That's so great. But uh, well, that's uh, that's been our uh, ballsy podcast. Uh, it's uh, we're the season. Uh, the The sports scene is finally winding down. We got rid of hockey. We got rid of baseball, uh, at least locally um now we're well we are going to have a world series here Evan are you are you going to be out there at the ballpark during the world series
0: yeah yeah I uh, I will I'll be there for the division series uh which will potentially feature Clayton Kershaw pitching in Arlington for the first time in his career
1: how about that
0: yeah I I, I thought he had pitched here once with the Dodgers previously but he has not
1: well that's nice and our old pal Nelly Cruz could be like going to come back
0: there's a lot of storylines here, and none of them would be particularly um, fun for, for Rangers fans. <laughs>
1: That's a great point. You I like have,
0: it. You have A.J. Preller here with the Padres. You could have a, a, a World Series that features Thad Levine and Nelson Cruz. Um, you could have a World Series that has the Cardinals here in Arlington. Um, you could have uh, uh, Hugh Darvish pitching here in the um, National League Championship Series and potentially the World Series. Uh, am I missing anything? Oh, you could have Fernando Tatis Jr. coming back here for the uh, Division Series and potentially all the way through to swing at more three-zero pitches with the bases loaded. So uh, yeah. there's lots of um, storylines for the potential playoff situations. None of them, I think, would be really enticing for Ranger fans. No. I guess- I'd, I'd, I'd be curious who Ranger fans would adopt, you know, as their team. Would you, would you adopt – it would probably be, I would guess, a National League team because the National League would play its, its division series in LCS here. So would, would it be the Dodgers because of Kershaw? Would it be the Cubs because they're the Cubs? I, I'd, be, I'd be curious to hear what fans think.
1: No, I think they would go for for the Dodgers, uh, and because of Kershaw, especially at this point in his career. I mean, any anybody from Dallas has got to pull for Clayton Kershaw, right? I mean,
0: exactly. I mean, I, he deserves to win a World Championship, and and let's not forget that the Dodgers also have Dustin May, who's from Justin. So they've they've got plenty of Texans. I mean, I I think Max Muncie is a Texas guy too, right? Yeah, that's so, right. I mean, they've got they've got a lot of Texas guys on that roster.
1: Absolutely. All right, that's going to do it. So for everybody in here, to everybody out there, thank you. We'll talk to you next week.